Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Kaysen. With me today, the man who is thoughts become things, Neo Positivity. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And as soon as I played that intro, I realized, oh, wait a minute, I'm not sure Neil's coming. Sorry, wrong intro. But that's okay. That's you know, okay. It, it's all good. <laughs> it's kind of part of the course. We're at the end of the week, you know, and, and the end of the week is kind of a time for talk and slowing down, taking a breath. So, you know, what better way to do that? That's the way I look at that. That's exactly right. So anyway, we are welcoming our guest, Terry Wildeman. Am I pronouncing your name, Terry? Terry Wildeman. You are. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I'll, well, I practice these things. I don't always get it right. I try my best, you know, but, you know, sometimes you get it right, sometimes you don't. But mm-hmm. I got it right, so I, I'm going to celebrate that. But anyway, Terry is a very interesting person. She, among other things, she will, she's a coach, she's an author, she's she's got a lot of stuff going on, but she herself an intuitive truth detective. I like that phrase. It's a very interesting phrase, intuitive truth. I mean, it kind of, it's evocative. It gives you an idea of what's going on. But I also have a slight suspicion, let's just put it that way, that uh, there's a little bit more to it than the eye. So, Terry, welcome to the program. Glad you can make it. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And it was one of my clients who coined that. It was one of my clients who told me that you are an intuitive truth detective. I went, can I use that? (laughs) There you go. It's a good phrase. Yeah. It's It's a a great phrase. statement and everything. Yeah. Very good. Uh, does it have special meaning in a particular way? I mean, do you think of that in a particular way when you think of that phrase? Well, it, it, it when I hear it, because uh, usually, you know, the, my moniker that I use is intuitive success navigator because I help entrepreneurs navigate through a lot of different things. But when I hear, um, the intuitive truth detective in a former life, in my 20s, my degree is in criminal justice, and I was in law enforcement, you know, and one of the things about, uh, and, and I always say this when I teach leadership and team building and all that other good stuff, that no matter what kind of job you've had, it contributed to where you are at this very moment, and being in law enforcement, it was also, for me anyway, it was all about getting to the truth and it was about asking the open-ended questions and being the detective and on and on and on and my very first internship out of college in law enforcement was as a detective so when she said that it's like wow that's taking me full circle (laughs) well that is the way it works actually i mean i found the same thing in my life all the all the the various disparate skills that I was developing in my teens, my twenties, and my thirties. They all served later on to do things like help me create a podcast. So yes, you know, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing how it all comes together. And of course, when you're going through learning all that stuff, the last thing on your mind is what it ends up at. But yeah. that's where it ends up at. It ends up where where it needed to end up in the first place. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Now, uh, you also have you. Uh, I, I, I presume you're the creator of this. I'm, I'm kind of intuiting that you are the creator of the intuitive leadership or intuitive, intuitive entrepreneurs program. Um, I'm yes. not quite sure which, which, yes. which label you give to it. Yes. It's, it's, it's yes. like an online co- community university kind of a thing, isn't it? Well, it, it started out that way. <laughs> and um, every I owned a leadership center from 2001 to 2009. It was mm-hmm. a good mortar. 
And so basically what I did was during 2020, when we were all shut at home, I took my website and transferred everything from the Leadership Center onto my website. So what we are doing now is putting, it's personal and professional development. I'm also a holistic practitioner. So I, what I do is I help entrepreneurs integrate the practical, tactical, and the logical with the emotional, the energetic, and the spiritual. And we do that by focusing on three areas of business, the spiritual side first, then the personal side, and then the practical side. And when we integrate those three sides, you have a harmonious business. Uh, because you're you're grounded, you're centered, you can see things from the 30,000 foot view, you can see things at grand level. And yes, we include intuition and law of attraction, and we include clearing out all the self-sabotaging bananas that we have inside of us to get in the way of success. So it's sometimes a little harsher than bananas, but I, I get the drift. I totally do. Yeah, well, you know, I... I I I usually use a four-letter word when I say that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I forgot to mention, uh, WG wanted to be here today. She and Joe had to go deal with a last-minute thing um, that was totally out of the blue, so they're not going to be able to make it uh, this week, but uh, Debbie will be here next week for sure, Um, especially with her friend Claudia coming onto the program. That's going to be cool. And we're going to have a special musical guest, so just kind of a heads-up that that's going to be happening. But uh, Debbie won't be able to join us today. And uh, I'm still hoping that Neil might be able to, to join us. I'm not really sure. I haven't heard one way or the other, but we will see what happens with that. But in the meantime, we will just continue to get to know Terry. And hello, Sam and Kimberly in the live stream. Nice to see you guys. Um, now, Terry, you, you were describing to me earlier before we started uh, doing today's episode, some of your, your background and your life and so forth. And I, I don't want to get into all of that, but uh, one of the things that, that kind of came through as we were talking about that is no matter how much we get into uh, what, what we generically call conscious creation, right? You know, law of attraction, spirituality, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. No matter how much we get into that, all of us deal with the real world. All of us yes. deal with it in our own ways from various backgrounds, from quite different viewpoints, which is one of the reasons I do the podcast, by the way, because I love the different viewpoints. Um, and, Yet we still end up coming to much the same kinds of conclusions, at least within our circles, about how life works, how the universe works, how how to put stuff together in a way that's going to be most effective for ourselves, how to uh, maintain discipline over our own minds so that we don't get the stuff that we don't want and all that kind of thing. How is it, do you think, why is it that we all end up in that same place? That's something that I've been kind of contemplating lately, and I don't really know what the answer is on that. I'm kind of curious what you think. Well, I'm I'm curious to know what you mean by the same place because I'm not convinced that all of us end up at the same place. Oh, okay. Well, I do. Well, here's the thing. I do believe in choice. Okay? I, I do believe in, in what I mean by choice is every single moment of every single day we have choices. And if the same thing means being where you're meant to be, yes, I agree with you. Our choices, depending on what they are and whatever it is our soul needs to learn, um, based on our choices, it learns and it ends up where it's supposed to be. So from that perspective, yes, I, I do believe we end up where we are meant to be. However, some of our choices really kick us in the tail because they're the wrong choices. <laughs> or they really elevate us because they're the great choices. Or we allow other people's voices to get in the way. And 
steer us away from what we really want to do to something we really don't want to do. And that also is a choice. So I'm really not sure that we end up all in the same place because of our power of choice. Well, I think there's a lot to be said for what you're describing there. I think what I had in mind when I said that we end up in the same place is there's sort of a a general set of agreed upon ideas around current spiritual slash new age thinking. And it's kind of evolved over decades. Um, it's been in a lot of different places. People have come from a lot of different viewpoints, a lot of different ways of teaching it and understanding it have been explained. But it's gotten to the point now where no matter where you come from, there, there, there's like a set of, uh, I hesitate to call them rules, but there, there's, there's a set of understandings that has become quite universal. And what, what I love about it the most is that there's been no authority figure saying this is how it's going to happen. It just kind of happened naturally. It was sort of like a, an entropy, uh, uh, an evolution over time that got to the point where different people from different points of view, different perspectives, different experiences, all starting to move into the same space. Now I'll, I have to kind of put a little uh, caveat on there, of course, because conscious creator circles are still a very small percentage of the overall population, but it's a growing population. And it, it, it is continues to grow. It is. And, and, and it continues to evolve. In, it's almost like there, there's a, and the best ex- explanation I have for this is that we're all connected on a spiritual level, but there, there, it's almost like there's a, it's this group conscious activity all tending toward the same thing. And that's what I meant when I said we're all kind of coming to the same place together. Well, I think a lot of us who are, who are, hard, are spiritual, those of us who have walked away from dogma, those of us who mm. understand that our intuition and our heart, we're being called up in a big way. And that group of people that are being called up, and they're all different folks who are being called up, they just can't stay right. silent any longer. And even, you know, when I opened my center in 2001, it was, it was called the Winds of Change Holistic Education and Leadership Center. And I did then for nine years what I do now. The thing is, I was ahead of my time. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget one woman saying, you're creating a cult. You're using the word holistic. This is awful. This is evil. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> And that was in the middle of a training class. It was oh, lovely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was great. It was great. Yeah. And what I'm seeing now is that it is time. People within, you know, whether you're in the workplace, whether you're an entrepreneur, whatever it is, people are feeling this energy. This energy is moving so fast. You know, yeah, things are evolving so quickly. And those of us who are being called up to do this work, are answering the call. And they're answering the call in their way. It's true. Um, I can't honestly say that I ever thought of it as a call until that people told me there was a call. I said, okay, I guess, sure, why not? I'll go with that one. But I didn't think of it as a call. I didn't, I didn't feel like, you know, somebody, you know, called me on my iPhone and said, hey, well, it's time to do something different here. It wasn't like that. <laughs> well, it wasn't like that for me either. For me, it was just, I've always been pulled to this. I've always been in leadership. I've always been in intuition. I've always been connected with the angels. I've always been able, I'm a medium. I've been able to talk to the other side. It, it's, I've always been there, but what I'm seeing is an intense inner feeling. When I say call, 
It's this inner feeling, this inner knowledge that's just getting bigger mm. and bigger and it bigger is. and more intense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, I mean, I was never, I never considered myself to be terribly well connected on the other side. I never, certainly never would have called myself a medium. I still don't. Um, I still, still would never really say that I'm a highly intuitive person, although I'm getting better at it for sure. Um, but what I have noticed that well, you, you, you described it as being pulled there. I, I got kind of pushed there. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> you're going here whether you want it or not. <laughs> so my circumstances yeah. are kind of uh, in alignment with, uh, Walt's going to go this way. He doesn't know it yet, but he will. <laughs> well, I'll tell you when it really smacked me in the face, uh, was when, um, uh, we're a military family and my husband's ship happened to be in Valparaiso, Chile. And I was walking through Valparaiso, never even heard of the place before my husband said, hey, the ship's going to be ported here. I'd like for you to come and meet the ship. And I did. And I'm walking through that city and I realized I had been there before. Oh, wow. And, and my insides were like, you know, what is going on here? And I went back to uh, my two-year-old that was being taken care of by my parents in Miami. And I went back to get her on my way home. And my parents next door neighbors, I was telling him about the, uh, my little, uh, experience. And he said, hold on a minute. And he ran next door and he brought me back the book, many lives, many masters. And I couldn't stop reading it. I, it, it validated everything I knew to be true. Everything. My mother, of course, who was a devout Catholic, thought I was, uh, I was turning into a witch at that time. And good witches. I mean, I'm a good witch. But she was like, ah! <laughs> hey, witchcraft is witchcraft. You know that. Come on. And then um, uh, we moved up here to where we are now. And a week after I was here, darn it, there wasn't a course called Many Lives, Many Masters at one of the little <laughs> local centers. And there were five of us who showed up. Five is the number of change in numerology. And sure enough, for two years, the five of us studied past life regression. We found out it, it was just a mind-blowing experience. And then um, it was during that time that I became a Reiki master. And when I did my level one Reiki, whoa, it's like all my gifts started to explode. Oh, wow. I could see things. I could hear things. I could feel things. I do Reiki on someone and I would take on their, their pain, which is not a good thing. Trust me. Not really. No. <laughs> no. That's why I don't do Reiki anymore. I, and that, and that's I have, where boundaries are very, very important. <laughs> it is. And I had to be very careful. And it was just this, it, it, I wasn't looking for that as much as to your credit. It, it found me. It, it just, it's like the egg cracked open. Mm -hmm. So, and then it just kept growing and growing and fine tuning to what, where I am today. And it's going to continue. Good because, you, because you, you recognize it as an egg cracking open. I had to get the two by four to the side of the head. <laughs> so, so you did it the nice gentle way. I have to congratulate you. Oh, that's great. Yeah. But the people around me weren't very happy. Let me tell you, the people around well, me thought yeah. it was nuts. And, you know, and a lot of us who are, uh, who do this kind of work. Unfortunately, those who are at, still at the 3D level look at us like we're Looney Tunes and we're like, and I'm thinking, how can you not think this way? This is, you know. It's interesting you say that because I can actually go both ways on this. 
I really can't because mm -hmm. I, I mean, we live in a 3D world. We're dealing with we 3D all the time. You know, that's just part of it. That's right. That's and, right. And I've gotten used to thinking about, well, first of all, because I had so many years of it, but also just through interacting with people, I've gotten used to thinking about what it's like from that perspective. It's a perspective yes. I don't share anymore, but I still know that one. It's not like it's yes. completely foreign to me. It's like it disappeared from my life and I had this big spiritual consciousness awakening and it's all disappeared. No, I mean, you still know. You know what it's yeah, like. Yeah, well, you do. <laughs> if, if you live on this planet, you're still a part right. of it. There's right. a part, you know, and it is important to be able to uh, hear what the folks who are at 3D are saying. Mm. However, you know, we, they may, we can understand what they're saying, but they can't understand what we're talking about. You know, that's what I find. It's, it's uh, oftentimes in law of attraction, we talk about the radio dial, how you can't be listening to two different stations at the same time. Right. Not without so, two different receivers. Yeah, exactly. And it's uh, the people who are in my world who are in that three-dimensional world I just get quiet and I just listen. I don't say very much, uh, but I, I just listen because it is a very different perspective and they're entitled to their perspective. Yeah, of course. There's nothing wrong with it. There's, there's, exactly. There's, there's nothing improper or anything like that. It's just a different it, way of looking at things. It's just a different way and yeah. it's okay. Now, as long as they don't judge me, we're good. We're simpatical. But if, you know, it, it's when we get well, to that well, judgment piece that it's like, okay, let, let's not go there. Let's, well, judgment is part of the challenge, and we are, I mean, it's not like judgment's ever going to go away. Let's be perfectly honest. We live in a world of polarity, yeah. and when you live in a world of polarity, there's going to be judgment. A yes, there is to be. It just, that's just the way it works. So really, I think it has to do with coming to terms with how am I going to respond to judgment? How am I going to feel about it? You know, okay, mm -hmm. I'm being judged. So what? Shrug the shoulders, move on. The word respect comes up for me. There, yeah, because yeah, yeah. you can judge once you can judge another person, and it's about respecting them. But when you judge them with that respect, and you treat and you don't treat them well, that's when there's challenges. That's so true. it's true, yeah, it's absolutely true. The other thing I've been noticing too, I mean, we've been talking about what's been happening within conscious creator circles, but as I think about people in my life, um, right, right now. Uh, you and I actually both live in New England, and uh, my wife's family lives in your neck of the woods in Rhode Island. Uh, uh, when we were visiting, when we we're visiting them in Rhode Island, you know, most of them aren't into any of this stuff at all. My my wife and I are, but mm -hmm. you know, the rest of them are. And you know, so we kind of take the same approach that you do. We don't. We're very low key about it. We don't, you know, try to yeah. push on anybody or anything like that. And yet, I can still see curiosity. Yeah, like they're yes. not ready to ask questions yet. Right. They're not ready. They're not ready to jump on board. There's they're still critical of it all. But there's like that little twinkle in the eye that says, I wonder, <laughs> you, I can see it more and more and more. And, and that to me is so encouraging because what that really says to me is what has been happening with me, what happened to you, what has happened to all of us in these circles is happening to them. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's exciting. That's really cool. It is exciting. And it's nice to see folks who at least be open and want to hear more. They may not agree with it, but there's a more open uh, energy where they're willing to hear what you have to say when you go to that place. Mm -hmm. And 
maybe talk about it, ask questions to learn more. Uh, I don't, there are certain people in my world that I just don't bring any of this up because I know yeah. that there, it, it is just shut down. I don't want it. I don't yeah. want to go there. I don't want to know about emotions. I don't know. I don't want to know about spirituality. I don't, they are very black and white and they're done and, and that's okay. That's fine. <laughs> And I'm a researcher. I research everything. I study as much as I possibly can. I am constantly learning and reading and growing and expanding and uh, do it every single day. And it's because not all – I want to – perspective is huge. And when you hear something and you sit there and wonder, is that true? It, is that does that feel right? And if it doesn't feel right, but I hear it, I still go and research, and oh, study, okay. and learn, and work at standing in the shoes of the other person who shared the information with me, and understand it through their eyes, their ears, their heart, and their soul. Which is a good way to do it for sure, because that has. Both the advantage of being respectful that you were talking about. Yeah. And it helps you to keep doing your expanding because yep. you know, you're a living being just like I am. We're like, we're, we're not here to sit back and look at everybody else. We're here to live. We're here to enjoy. We're here to have fun. We're here to, to do all the stuff that we're here to do. So, you know, when I hear mm-hmm. somebody talking about how they're doing this growth stuff, I say, yeah, grow. All right. Go. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, you know, we want our students, listen, in my case, anyway, I want my students to learn as much as they possibly can and be better than me. I want them to reach their full potential. I want them to, and I don't like to use the word I want. My, uh, because it, it's not about what I want. It's about for them. For them, it would be brilliant that they take what we learn and they just flow, grow. You know, they get out of that chrysalis. They become that amazing transformational butterfly that they're supposed to be in this life. That's a big deal, too. Because when you're that butterfly, then it, first of all, you're spreading your wings. And second of all, you are setting yourself up to be a flyer. You're, you're, there we are. You're trying to, ah, yeah, we kind of froze up there for a second there. Yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> but as I was just describing, when, when you're that butterfly, you're, first of all, you're learning to spread your wings as yeah. part of, you know, coming out of the chrysalis as you're, you're beating your way mm-hmm. up of the chrysalis. And you're also learning to fly. Yes. I mean, yeah, you're a butterfly, but that doesn't mean you automatically know how to fly. You still have to learn how to fly. Yeah. Exactly. Even if you have the tools, you still have to learn. Right. You need not that it takes it, has, it doesn't have to take so long. It doesn't have to take years and years, but you still have but, to learn it. You still have to go through the steps. And the butterfly doesn't necessarily need the kind of support system that we humans do. No. And we humans, the one thing that I think is the most important thing is to be able to ask for help. So many of us are resistant to asking for help and and elevating and expanding. Okay, well, ask for help. And, and here's the thing. I'm just putting it at myself because I'm one of those people who has struggled for years with asking for help. Okay. I mean. Well, here's my perspective. Those of us who are fearful of asking for help, 
you're actually shooting yourself in the foot. And no kidding. When you, you know, and but when you do ask for help, it's a sign of strength. Not asking for help is actually a sign of weakness because no one can do it all on their own. No one. And when we ask for help and work as a team, we accomplish so much more and and we're able to rise in such a big, powerful way that it it really is just so heartwarming. So it's interesting. And, and I applaud you, by the way, for uh, sharing that you it's hard for you to ask help. And there's some behavior styles that it is. It's hard to ask for help. It, which is an odd thing for me to say, actually, because my listeners know the story really well. I started this podcast in 2012 at a time when I desperately needed help. In fact, I, I needed it so desperately, I couldn't even afford anything. I couldn't, I couldn't afford to buy a book. That's how bad things were. We were so deep in debt. The, the 2008 crisis had destroyed our finances. I mean, the whole thing had just fallen apart. And I knew I needed help. I didn't know how to get it. And I said, oh, I know. There's this stuff called podcasting. I'll create a podcast and I'll bring on all these guests who know all the stuff that I don't know. And they'll teach me for free. So I asked for help in the way that I could do it. And, oh, there you and, go. and it's been great. I mean, I've loved it. I, I, the big surprise for me was how much I loved doing the podcasts. So that's why I've been doing them ever since. Uh, but nevertheless, the fact is that despite having that breakthrough moment, I still struggle. And it's partly because of the programming that we all get. I mean, I certainly got a lot of it as I was growing up. You know, be self-sufficient. You have to, you have to, you know, take the bull by the horns. You have to go do the stuff. You have to, you're, you're, you can make all this happen. You can do this. It's up to you. You can do this. And I kept taking it in saying, yeah, okay. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, sure. I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. So it's, it takes a while sometimes to overcome that programming because that programming okay. is, especially when it starts young, it, it goes pretty deep. Well, a lot of a lot of our programming, our self the self sabotaging work that I do with, uh, with entrepreneurial leaders, we spend the first month clearing out all of that kind of programming, yeah. so that they can really be there in their heart and in their mind when we start working on marketing plans and business plans and all that other good stuff. Because mm -hmm. unless we get rid of that self sabotaging stuff first, it keeps uh, coming back. It keeps <laughs> coming back, and all our hard work goes down. And goes down the drain and that's not what this is about this is about shifting things and and becoming who we're meant to be it's true it's true the, one of the things i've had to remind myself and actually this has helped me quite a bit is even on those situations and, and on those occasions where i slide to backslide you know I, I slip i don't really get there i don't do it the way i want to be doing it i end up working against myself there's a part of me that says oh no you just lost it all and there's the other part that says well no you didn't lose all of it you actually did some gain there. Give yourself some credit for what you did gain. You know, yeah, okay, you backslid a little bit, but uh, cut yourself a little slack. Yeah. You know. And, you know, sometimes it's good to backslide a little bit because when you do, that means that you're giving yourself some time and some pause. Yeah. Hopefully you reflect sure. when you do that. And uh, it's, it's important to be able to do that because if we don't pause, if, if we don't give ourselves time to reflect and to meditate and to – people say, oh, meditation. Hey, it's only 10 minutes a day, 10, 15 minutes a day. That's all it is. It's about closing your eyes and just getting really quiet for 10 or 15 minutes a day. That's all it is. It's not, you know, you don't have to do it for 30 minutes. You don't have to do it for an hour. None of that. Uh, you can do it laying in bed in the morning, which is often when I do my own meditation in the morning before I get out of bed. And, you know, when you take that pause, that's when fresh insight comes. That's true. And yeah. so it is important to, 
you, you call it backsliding. I'm calling it pausing. Okay. Yeah, that's a good phrase. I like it. Uh, in fact, um, it was only in the last three or four years, something like that, that I even was willing to try meditating again. I tried mm-hmm. it in the past, couldn't get myself into it. It couldn't find any value in it. In the last few years, I started to, to try it. And then in the last year or so, 10 minutes, heck, that was a short session. It's been like half an hour, three quarters of an hour, an hour, like <laughs> not planned. Just that's kind of. This happens. It, it's like, it's like I, I, I'm either, you know, it's either drought or, or it's like abundance. Like, there's no in between. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's you no found moderation. your stride. You found your stride. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't even do it consistently. I mean, I, I set the intention this past year I was going to be. You know, making time every single day. Well, I don't make time every single day. I make it a lot more than I used to. I give myself credit for that. But there are some days that just, well, I, I, I think I do meditations that don't, that don't normally qualify in some people's mind as meditations. Like you described being in bed and, and, and meditating in bed. I'll, I'll do that almost every morning. So in that sense, I'm always doing a meditation. Um, one thing that I have learned over the years to give myself credit for is meditating when I'm out taking my walks, my, my yes. nature walks. That really is a form of meditation. It's a walking meditation. And for years, I said, well, I don't really meditate. I just go take nature walks until a friend of mine said, well, that is meditation. That is meditation. And, you know, it's interesting how where I get my information. Just the other day, I was driving, and I didn't. I said, okay, I'm not going to listen to a, a, a podcast on the phone. I'm not going to do any of that. It's, I'm just going to drive in, in silence, which I really enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I got this information, and it's like, oh, Okay. Uh, the other place I get information, I call it showerology. I'm standing oh, yeah, there in the shower. And it's like, okay, got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it, it's, uh, it, I, you just I, never know when the insight comes. I, I tend to get mine at about 3 a.m. I wake and up. I just wake up at 3 a.m. and get I, 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 wake, I wake up at 3 a.m. and all of a sudden something occurs to me like, oh, okay. Yeah, all right. And it keeps me awake for an hour and then I go back to sleep. But that's when I tend to get most of them. That's cool. Well, kind of. It also interrupts the sleep pattern. So <laughs> I yeah. totally sold on it yet. But <laughs> I love it when I can sleep five hours straight. Yeah, okay, thank you. <laughs> Well, actually, I, most of the time I do. I, I get fairly consistent sleep, so I, I have. I'm certainly not going to complain about it because we know what happens when you complain about it. Uh, well, <laughs> one thing that I do, Walt, is when I go to bed and I really have a challenge and I'm looking for answers, I ask my brain while I'm asleep to please look for the answer to whatever it is mm-hmm. while I'm sleeping and let go. And usually, you know, sometime either during the night or in the morning, uh, I'll get the answer that I'm looking for. So it's a lot of fun to be able to do that. Sometimes I do it just for a test. I said, okay, I got to do this. You know, and it really depends on what the question is uh, or what the issue is because, and, and the other thing I do is I put the intention that I'm dropping it in my brain's lap. I'm letting it go. It's, it's one of those where you don't want to be tossing and turning with worry. That's not what it's about. Uh, because as you, I'm sure you know with the I am, when you're in that state of worry, you're living in the future, you're not in the present. So, um, or if you keep ruminating stuff from the past, you're living a life of regret instead of being in the present. 
in the I am. So, so Lang. If you combine those two together, then you're both in the past and the future. You're still not in the present. And that's exactly right. So mm-hmm. that that's one of the models that I teach with the I am. You know, you put a circle in the middle and the crosshairs, and then in the middle of that circle where it crosses is the I am. That's the present. Mm-hmm. But most of us tend to live in the past and in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's this bridge. Yeah. That we, because it's so challenging to stay fully focused in the present. And a lot of times we don't want to do that because we don't want to look in the mirror and look at what's looking back at us. Yeah, that's kind of scary at times. <laughs> it can be. <laughs> it's true. Actually, what you talked about, about inserting and planning those ideas in your mind as you're going to sleep. Um, a former co-host, I've had many co-hosts over the years, but one particular one who was with me for a few years named Linda Armstrong. She called it going to school. So whenever she wanted to go to school, she'd say, okay, spirits, you know, angels, whatever, teach me something tonight. And then she'd go to bed. I love that. Yeah. That's really cool. And she always did, too, because she expected it. So. And that's the key, the expectation. Mm-hmm. What is it that we expect? I also love this thing that, it, you know, Abraham Hicks, I love what they teach about segment intending. Yes, or pre-paving, I guess is the latest or term. Pre- uh, okay, and is, is that the latest term, prepaving? Yeah, somewhere along the line, they, uh, Esther got the idea. Okay, we got to call it prepaving because people didn't understand what segment intending meant, so we're going to give it a different word. Prepaving. Okay, I got to miss that one. And I listen to I, I listen to Abraham every single day. Oh, okay. <laughs> every day, I listen. And some there are times, depending on what's going on, I listen to two, three, or different videos on YouTube. Wow. I, I do. I. I just absolutely love it. It cracks me up. It keeps me in alignment. Mm. And it keeps me in alignment. And, it, and every once in a while, I catch something going, oh, goofball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it helps me catch myself. But the but the segment attending, the pre-paving, um, I teach that to my, to my clients because it really it i mean that is pure law of attraction work where oh absolutely you, you can prepave you can intend and create in your mind's eye how you want it to work sam is the same thing prepaving uh, is the same thing as intention but it's also a, a visualization you're actually hearing things how you want it to be you're using all of your intention uh, all of your intuitive gifts when you're prepaving, you're using the images that come in your mind. You're using the words that come uh, that you hear. You're using what you're feeling, what you're sensing, and you really make visualize. To me, prepaving is is like visualizing and adding on the. If you're baking a cake, the visualization is the cake itself, and then the icing is the intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I'd also throw in there that prepaving. Is a, is a little different from setting intention in that a, an intention can be set for far out. It could be like, yes. this is my long-term intention, whereas pre-paving is like for the next hour or the next two mm-hmm. hours or you know, next right. short period of time. So, yeah, it's a much more uh, time-limited. <laughs> it is. It, just, it is. thing called time that doesn't really exist. It's a time-limited thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's like, okay, I'm going to give myself an hour to journal or I'm going to give myself mm-hmm. an hour to work on this uh, on this homework that my own coach gave me, uh, or I'm going to give myself 15 minutes to work on this form for my clients, you know, that kind of thing. And this right. is how I want it to be. I want it to, uh, to be, uh, easy with calm, ease and flow. Right, <laughs> right. 
Yep. It's all, it's about, basically it's about setting, resetting the mindset right now. So you can use mm-hmm. it right now. Exactly. It, it isn't so much about what you want to show up in your life, you know, within the next three years. It's what, what's going to happen it's now. now. Yeah. It's now it, it's, it's a daily, it's, it, it, there's 24 hours in the day, eight of it you're sleeping, hopefully, and the rest of it you're basically pre-paving. Like for di- okay, say dinner is coming. Uh, okay, I am pre-paving that all the ingredients that I need are in the kitchen, and I'm going to make a delicious dinner. End of story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm going to make. But <laughs> that's all right. Most of the time, I don't know either. I mean, especially when because Louise does most of the cooking. She's such a good cook. Um, but every once in a while she needs a break and so she'll say, well, we make dinner. I'll say, sure. What are we going to have? I have no idea. Exactly. Whereas she's quite different about that. She has a habit from when she was quite young or when, when she was in her teens, her mom had a stroke. And so she ended up taking care of her mom for a few years. And out of that early habit, she developed the habit that plus, well, also after her mom, her mom passed when she was 21. Um, after her mom passed, she became a ski bum, moved into a ski resort and did that for a few years and then kind of evolved to a, a variety of different places that she lived. And each one of those places that she lived to support herself, she would work in restaurants. And so in a restaurant, of course, you know, you go you take the person's order and you bring the food to them and you announce what the specials are and so forth. So every night before dinner, she comes and announces what dinner is going to be. Not that, you know, I've never turned down anything that she's offered because she's a great cook. But it's just part of her routine. I think it's part of how she gets herself excited to make the meal and to have the meal and about the meal itself, about the food itself. So it's her form of prepaving. By telling yeah, me what the menu is, she's prepaving how it's going to play out. And yeah. it does. Which is the best Brilliant. part because the food's really, really good. <laughs> okay, see, my husband's the one who cooks. I'm like uh, you. I'm okay, like you. Okay. And my husband, who has your name, Walt, he's the one who cooks every night. And he was a short order cook and he used to do oh, all that stuff, you know, and it's okay. like, yes. <laughs> that, and for him, it's easy and he enjoys it. Mm-hmm. It, it, it calms him down from a hectic day. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's great. You know, I, I, I know what that's like because I grew up in a family where my mom, of course, when I grew up, the mom was the, the, the housekeeper and the cook and all that. And the dad went out and yeah. did the work and, my mom was a horrible cook. She just, she knew it too, and she would be the first one to tell you. <laughs> my mom too. Like, Let me tell you, my mom hated it. You cook. know, she hated it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, when you grow up in a family like that, you really don't have much of a flavor for food because you never really got exposed yeah. to it. So I, I met my wife. Now I didn't meet her until we were in our early forties, but when I met her, I mean, there literally was the case of the, the way to the man's heart was through his stomach. All she had to do was serve me a couple of very simple meals. Like, oh, I'm hooked. Yeah, let's keep going. This nice. is good. <laughs> that's great. That's that's funny. <laughs> it's oh, no, true, that's... though. That's the way it actually played out. Well, it, it, and I think the even though my mom disliked cooking, uh, we're his, we're Hispanic. We're, we're my parents are were Cuban immigrants, mm-hmm. and my dad. Uh, when he lived in Cuba, they were both meat eater and fish eater. So I learned at a very young age to eat oysters and clams and Uh, this, you know, all that, all that stuff. I love that. So that helps explain why you live in New England like we do. I get it. Yeah. Oh, no, the Navy brought us here. (laughs) 
Oh, come on. We know how expansion or uh, how uh, intention works. You also have the intention of wanting to have the good seafood. You ended up here. Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, we did end up here because uh, when my husband went to um, the very first time he visited here, he was in a he was a young ensign. And the day that he drove over the bridge to Newport, this place just grabbed him. And little did we know that we would end up being stationed here and then retiring here. And he still works for the, for the Navy, but not in the same capacity he did before. Sure. And raising our kids here. And he knew way back when that this place had a special uh, meaning for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Newport is a beautiful town for anyone who has never been to Newport, let me tell you. Assuming you can get in there, especially during the summer, it's just, it's, it's crazy yeah. trying to get through there and find, forget finding parking, just do a little loop. I mean, that's about the best thing you're going to do. Oh my gosh, yes. That's, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's just, that's part of Newport in the summer. That's all there is to it. And we actually live in the town next door. We don't even go to Newport. I think if, if, if during the summer, we may go down there maybe once, maybe twice during the I summer. It. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. I drive, drive past the mansions on the shore, you know, enjoy that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it, it is a gorgeous town. It really is. Um, but the other thing too is, uh, when they have the, uh, the jazz festival, you, you don't actually just kind of show up there for the day. You, you book your hotel six months in advance yes. and you, you basically camp out there and, and you don't go anywhere because you, once you're there, you're not, you're not going to go anywhere anyway. It's just, it's going to get out. You know, once yeah. you get in, you're not going to get out. You know, That's it. yeah. yeah. You just have to wait for the whole thing to end, and then you can go. But you don't need to because it's such a nice thing, anyway. It's, it's, it's it is such a beautiful event. place. It's a very uh, going to that conscious spirituality place. It is actually a very spiritual place because mm. it is just eye candy. Watching the sailboats oh, God, going yeah. by, uh, watching the uh, the seagulls, and and mm. it, it's just fun. Yes. And that's what we're all about here. I mean, you saw on the opener, Daily Dose of Happy. That's really what it's all about. It's yeah. having that, that daily dose of, wow, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying where I am. I'm finding, even if there are things going on that I don't like, I'm finding the joy in them too. Because every yeah. time that I can do that, my life improves. Things improve. I start getting yeah. more of the things that I want in life. And yes. it becomes an ever-growing ever growing flow of stuff the more that I do that. And, you know, a powerful question to ask is, because I, I ask it a lot, am I happy in the moment? No. Why am I not happy? And if an answer does not come back, I'm like, okay, what is going to make me happier than I am now? What's then, it going to take? Yeah. And then the answer you know, often comes that way. What's going to make me happier than I am now? And then what's going to make me happier than I am now? What's going to make me happier than I am now? And when I keep asking that question and I've also learned that stepping into a place of appreciation and gratitude is enormous. Oh, God, yes. You know, every morning, thank you for my pillow. Thank you for my covers. Thank you for my bed. Thank you for being able to hear my husband in the shower. Thank you for the water uh, that's coming down. Thank you for uh, the light that's coming in through the windows. Thank you for the beautiful trees that are in my garden. Thank you, thank you. No, and it's all morning. Pretty much for the first 45 minutes for me, it's pretty much that kind of mantra. And what happens, and what a lot of people don't realize, is when you do that, you are physiologically changing your body. 
Yes. You are your D, D, DHA levels rise and your cortisol levels, which is the stress hormone, drops. That's right. And if you have high blood pressure, I encourage you to do this. Uh, yeah, absolutely right. Yes, no doubt about that. And there is a lot of science behind that. There's no doubt about Tons that. Tons of science. Either. Yeah. And that's why I got certified in stress management because I burned out multiple times. And I got certified with the Heart Math Institute way back oh, in 2001. Really? Wow. And right after 9-11, actually. Oh, uh, okay. I opened up my leadership center September 1st of 2001. 9-11 happened 10 days later. And that following weekend, we were the first flight into San Francisco. To, oh, wow. And I got certified uh, up there. Wow, yeah. And it was it was interesting because that was definitely, wow, that was, now that I think about it, that was definitely a pre-paving journey because I knew I had to go. I had to go. Mm-hmm. Out of 16 people, only three of us showed up. We were able wow. to make it. Yeah. Uh, in, and I remember letting go. I surrendered. Mm-hmm. And I prepaid it with the idea of everything works out for me. Everything is in flow. Everything is going to happen naturally. And it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it did. When one door closed, another opened very quickly. It was insane. And then Wait, I found out when I got, it was beautiful. Then I, I found out when I got up there, because their uh, location is in the middle of the redwood forest, I'm very allergic to redwoods. Oh, no. <laughs> it was, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. The entire workshop, I was, I think I had three boxes of tissue. <laughs> it was so awful. I have never heard of a sequoia allergy before. That's like, that's. Oh my God. It was, and, and I don't know if it was the Redwoods or not. Whatever it was in that area, it what my whole face blew up. My eyes oh my blew up. I will, and it, and I've been out there once or three times and all three times. The first time it wasn't as bad. I didn't think anything of it, but that second time because I was living there, the second and third time because I was living there. That's how long did you live there? I'm curious. Well, no, what I mean is for, for the workshop. Oh, okay, good. That's what I meant. <laughs> I mean, I, no, that's what I meant. Like no, 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 no. It was like, oh, God. Uh, it, was, it was pretty funny, actually. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, that's really weird, though. Being allergic. I, I mean, you're right. It could have been something else in the, in the environment, but the sequoias dominate that landscape so much. It's your first thought, of course. Got to yeah. be something tied to the trees. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The things we remember. <laughs> well, I mean, that's actually part of the course. We we remember, we, we are living in a, a world of polarity. And in that world of polarity, yes. we are drawn much more toward the stuff we don't like. That's just part of what it is to live in such a world. That's yeah, one is. of the reasons we come here. We come here to experience all that insanity. <laughs> well, we do because our our souls need to learn something. And whatever it is that we learn and whatever it is that we conspired with all the other players who enter our life in this lifetime, you know, and, and I put it as we are similar to a play on a stage. Right? Yeah. We have all these different actors that are coming in to assist us, our souls, to learn what we are meant to learn in this lifetime. And we they Help them learn. It, you know, it, right. it's almost like this pre, pre-paved, pre-paved, <laughs> pre-planned, mm-hmm. um, episodes where, uh, we learn different things. 
And based on our reaction, other people will respond with their reaction. So it's very fascinating to me. I really enjoy looking at different scenarios and wonder, hmm, what other way did we plan to do this? Well, I think that's it. I think that's part of the reason that people are so intrigued by drama. Mm -hmm. That's really what we're talking about is drama. (laughs) It's drama. People love drama. They do. They don't necessarily want to live it. They love watching it. They well, love reacting to it, but they don't necessarily want to live it. Well, they love creating it. Uh, my mom, God bless her, uh, she just passed uh, this past November. She was 98 years old. And wow. any, everywhere that we drove, I told her her calling in life was to be a soap opera writer. Uh, <laughs> we would get stuck at a light. Okay, we would be at a red light. We can see we got stuck. We were stopped at a red light, and she would be looking at the car next to her, and there would be two people in the car. And by the time that light turned green, she already had an entire drama arranged <laughs> about those two people and whatever it is that was going on in their lives. And I'm thinking, you missed your calling, Mom. You yeah. <laughs> it's like, holy cow. It, it was pretty wild. She, she could have made a fortune in Hollywood if she had that kind of a mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I basically told her, I said, Mom, you're watching too many telenovelas. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. People do enjoy it. It, it, it isn't something that just kind of happens. They enjoy it. My, my sister was a theater major, so I understand that mentality that you're describing. And it's, it, I don't know that she would feel like her life was complete without it. I really don't. Well, without, drama? without the drama, without the focus on drama, without the appreciation of the, of the drama, what makes good drama versus bad drama? Yeah. I mean, the whole thing. She, she it, that it's a big part of who she is. Well, you know, over the years, I, I look at drama and I see how it is now with me and how I choose to operate in the world, and I see how I operated. In my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, and my 50s. And in my earlier years, I I would venture to say probably drama queen. Okay. But now it's like I have changed so much because of all the, all the teachings, all the experiences, all the spirituality. It's like I don't want drama in my world. I, I don't want that kind of stuff. And when something happens now that would have created a real dramatic in another lifetime, I'm grounded, I'm calm, I'm collected, and I bring everybody down with me. Um, it, it's really fascinating to watch the evolution. And what I've learned, and what you may find this interesting, what I learned was that a lot of my personal drama was created from a food allergy. And yes, food can actually change your behavior. And it really, really can. And a lot of parents, I mean, I can see an allergic kid a mile away, especially if they've got lots of real dark circles under their eyes, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I often tell, say to parents, please, you know, well, if they're my client, um, watch, what, what are you feeding your child? Because something is triggering them. And, I got I got diagnosed with uh, right after I had my daughter, and I, I've had food. I had food. I was first diagnosed with food allergies uh, 32 years ago, 
and I was allergic to whole milk, egg whites, beef, and soybean. Oh, yeah, it was fun. And then I stayed away from all that for three years. And then when we came back to the States, um, I was literally coming unglued. I was literally coming out of my skin. And you want to talk about being a drama queen? It wasn't because I wanted to be. It's because I I was I, I couldn't control it. And what I found out was I was highly allergic to wheat. And I wasn't allergic anymore to those other things. And what I know now, even more so, was it just wasn't wheat. It was gluten because mm-hmm. gluten wasn't a big deal then. And that was 32 years ago. Yeah, gluten only became a big deal probably in the next last 20 to 25 years, something like that. That's right. So I was I was diagnosed with a wheat allergy. And when we took the wheat out of my diet, oh, my God. <laughs> It was miraculous. Mm. And the drama. Hold right there. Completely de-escalated. So now I know when um, I'm pretty much gluten-free now, wheat-free now, and I uh, stay away from sugar as much as I can. I do like my ice cream. <laughs> stay away from sugar. <laughs> However. Well, you, you live near, you're near Newport Creamery. You can't completely turn off ice cream. That's, not uh, that's true. That's true. Oh, we got Frosty Freeze. We have Frosty Freeze. That too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the. By the way, one of my, my, one of my favorite signs ever in a store was in Newport. It was about, well, four or five years ago, something like that. It was in one of the, uh, the creameries. And the, the sign says, closed for the, re- for the season. The reason? It's freezing. <laughs> I love great. that. <laughs> well, there's only one Newport Creamery left now in Newport. That's it. Is that right? Because they're yeah. all over the rest of the state. That's right. Yeah, two, the two, the one in downtown Newport closed, and the one on Bellevue Avenue closed. So only the one on West Main Road is open. So just to give you the heads up. Yep. Well, that's that's a true ice cream addict right there, folks. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So the point being that you know. I asked for help. I asked for divine help because doctors had no idea what to do with me. And that's when I finally took the bull by the horns and I said, I need to go to an allergist. Wow. Yeah. And that's what happened. So it was not, the doctors had no clue. They Mm. were actually trying to put me on psychiatric drugs Mm. and I got worse and worse and worse. And it's like, no, this is not where I lasted two days on those awful drugs. And good for you for noticing that quickly and recognizing it wasn't going to work. But that was the that was the answer to all the doctors in my world. It was always another drug, another drug, another drug. I'm like, no, there's more to this. There's more, you know. But it wasn't just allergies; it was other things that were going on. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons why I became a holistic practitioner because I knew I needed I needed to save my my health and my daughter's health. Mm-hmm. Uh, both my girls, um, they had challenges, and all I could say was, I don't like I don't like what I'm seeing the doctors do. Um, you're raising an interesting point here when you bring your daughters into it. Let me tell you why. We had a summit that we put on in January, and it was it was living our abundance. It was mainly about money, but it, it kind of spread out as it usually does. And at one point, uh, we, we had 16 speakers and five workshops. The fourth workshop uh, was called Blasting Through Your Blocks, basically a way of clearing up money blocks. And one of the participants in the workshop was also one of the speakers. And... Everybody who was there went through this little thing with uh, the guy who was leading it, Dan Mangiano. He's one of the co-hosts here on the show. Really fabulous guy. But anyway, he was leading us through the stuff and, and, and basically helping get behind, you know, the conscious mind and stuff and clearing stuff out. 
and we were all experiencing, you know, we, we would listen to each person as they were going through their thing one at a time. And we were all kind of vicariously doing it with them. And so we were all getting value out of that. I, I was last because I was the host of things. So I, I saved myself for last. And then when mine was done, I, I was kind of a little disoriented because Dan does a great job. He's really, really good at it. And so I needed a moment just to, to kind of recover. And while I was recovering, Maria, who was also involved, one of the speakers, she jumped on and said, I just need to tell you something while Walt's recovering. I have had a severe chronic case of fibromyalgia for more than 30 years. I have been dealing with chronic pain continuously, eight on a scale of 10 every single day throughout that entire period. I've been to doctors, I've been to all kinds of stuff. After doing that session with Dan, it's down to a three. Yeah, nice. And by the end of that workshop, it was down to a zero. And I just got word from her today. Now that was in January. I just got word from her today. It's still at zero. And she is just absolutely ecstatic. Now, the reason I bring this up is her daughter also has fibromyalgia. And so she she actually, she didn't do this for an extended period of time. She did for about a week or two. But she wanted to see what would happen if she didn't tell her daughter about the experience and just see would what was her own experience impacting her daughter's experience. And she didn't get a clear result out of it. But she did notice that her daughter's symptoms seemed to reduce during that time. So that's my long-winded way of asking, did you find that your situation was impacting on your daughters? Um, my daughter's situations were different, very, very different. We did not have the same issues. Mm-hmm. Ironically, my oldest daughter now has gluten allergies, and she's uh-huh. also highly allergic to shellfish, which I am not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. If anything, it would be my oldest daughter versus my middle daughter. My middle daughter is, um, she's got a rock star constitution. constitution. Uh, my oldest, um, I suspect, and this is one of the things that I do in emotion code and body code, uh, I suspect that they may have picked up some uh, sabotaging emotions from me in mm-hmm. utero. Mm-hmm. Okay, in utero because I had two such. Hello, Neo. <laughs> oh, just a few seconds here. Hey, hey, guy. How's it going, oh, you guys? I'm sorry I couldn't be with you in my studio at home, but I'll give you a rundown of exactly where I'm at. I don't know. If You're you not in the god. We don't have to tell that. This is. Uh, let's see if I can turn this camera around. Oh man, probably can't, but. Yes, I am in Missouri. Ah. Missouri. Oh my goodness, this guy lives in Florida. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Amazing, beautiful mountains. I'm out here just chilling. My alarm went off for the show today and I was like, oh man, I totally forgot to hit Walt up. So <laughs> I'm sorry I couldn't be there. But you guys know, hi Terry, it's nice to meet you. Uh, nice you to meet know, you. You guys know I love and support you 100%. Oh. But I gotta get back to this. I'm gonna let you guys get back to talking. I just want to step in and say hi, alright? Good deal. We'll see you next Friday. All right. See you next Friday. Later. Take care, brother. So that was a nice visit from Neo, and we'll be looking forward to it. It was great to meet him. Yeah. I'm glad he was able to drop in, if only for a minute at the end. But And what beautiful background. I mean, gosh, talk about, we were talking about nature earlier. That is just God's gift. He's a a bit of a world traveler, too, and he's into these um, ultralight planes. He's a pilot. And so he wants to go all over the place to do that kind of stuff. I'm sure that's what he's been doing. That's part of why he's in Missouri. But anyway, this has been great. We really enjoyed having you on the show, Terry. Thank you. Before we part company, you got to tell us a little bit more about how people can reach out to you, find out more about your experience and so forth. Uh, 
Great. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, well, my website is intuitiveleadership.com and you'll see all of our courses and programs, et cetera, et cetera, on there. A little bit about me and uh, speaking stuff that I do. And you could also reach me on my Facebook group, a brand new Facebook group we're starting called Limitless Prosperity. And you can find that at attractlimitlessprosperity.com. And I do have a gift for your audience. Oh, nice. And one of the things we talked about is stress management, you know, and DHEA and cortisol and all that other good stuff. Mm -hmm. I have, um, if you go to quickshiftzone.com, I think we're putting it, maybe put it in the comment section here. Oh, can't do that. Never mind. But That's right. I'll, I'll put it into the description of okay. the uh, okay. podcast episode. Well, quickshiftzone.com, it is one of the tools. It's very, very easy. It's so easy you don't think it's working. It's called the quick shift <laughs> technique. I've written about it now in two books. And it's basically this very simple technique is what I live by. And it has to do with connecting the brain and the head and the brain and the heart so that you are – uh, in a very coherent space and you can operate on a moment to moment basis in this very coherent, connected, grounded energy. Literally in one minute. That's pretty cool. I like one that. minute. Yeah. yeah. Can't ask for more than that. So, well, okay. Well, Terry Wilderman, thank you so much for joining us on the program. This has been a wonderful conversation. Really enjoyed thank it. You. Really- it has I been a blast. Good. Absolutely yeah. loved it. Well, we achieved thank our you. objective. Our daily dose of happiness. That's right. That's right. So thanks for joining us. Thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. And we will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.